I'm not going to get pick sides here on this conversation, but let's just get to the point. The leaders are living from a place of ego, making decisions that affect the world from a place of ego, not from a place of love and not from a place of confidence, not from Mm. a place of resilience, not from a place of self-regulation, but a place of their own triggers and their own wounds. And when you have leaders leading from their wounds, we're screwed, right? So we have to, as the individual, begin to be the leader in our own world. We have to learn methods for regulating our energy so that we can survive, but not only survive, but lead. Because this is a time of the we. This is not a time of the I. This is the time of the we, the collective, that the group collective energy is what's going to change and shift. It's something is happening in the world where we are, there's no coincidence that we're all being asked to rise up. We're all being asked to get into our highest selves so that we can bring our best energy to the worst of times. That was author, speaker, and coach Gabby Bernstein. And this is Better Than Yesterday. Welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 321 of the show, a podcast. Well, 321 interviews. There's probably way more episodes because I'm here every Friday as well, but 321 interviews uh, of the show. And today's guest is Gabby Bernstein. You can find out more about her, gabbybernstein.com or online, G-A-B-B-Y-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N on Twitter, Instagram. If this is your first show that you're ever listening to, hi, hey, gone. I'm Osher. I'm a TV guy and a podcasting guy and a book writing guy and a, a compost guy and a worm farm guy. And uh, what else am I at the moment? Baby shushing guy, argument at Bunnings with my wife that I started unwillingly guy from Sydney, Australia. And um, I've been making this podcast since uh, 2013. Every single Monday, uh, we've been here. It's just a conversation designed to help you make today a bit better than yesterday. Something that you'll hear today will make you go, right, I'm going to do something a little different. And hopefully things will be better because ultimately I just want to help you become the closest version of what it is you were born to be. And um you know, usually that involves getting some stuff out of the way that we may have learned along the way. And that's what these conversations are all about. Just trying to make today a bit better than yesterday. One day at a time, one podcast at a time, one chat at a time. And I do like to try to have an idea on this show to help make today a bit better than yesterday because otherwise, you know, I'm just spouting possibly negative energy in the world with no solutions being offered. So I've, you know, recently started this, you know, just some ideas that will hopefully help make today better than yesterday. We talked about grey water. We talked about uh, a betting app. Uh, this is very similar to the betting app, a company that links to your credit card or your FPOS card. Uh, so every time you tap, you give to the charities of your choice. Now, say you just sign up and you give this company permission to access your your bank account and um much like there's some investment cards that work this way like every time you buy something on your on your thing it rounds up so if you buy something for a dollar 29 nothing's a dollar 29 say if you buy something for ten dollars 29 it rounds up for example to 50 cents and that 21 cents goes into a super or something like that and just like cents at a time it builds and builds and builds so similarly it's a company that connects to your credit card or your main payment card. And at the start of the financial year, you go, right, here's my main charities, say maybe four charities, and here's what I'm prepared to give of my 
what I spend, some like anything from like 0.5% all the way to 5% if you want it. So say if you bought hundred something that's $100, you go to dinner for some you and your family, it's 100 bucks, $5 goes to a charity. And that's it. You forget about it. And in you know June 15, two weeks out from the financial year, you get a statement going, here's the tax deductible donations. Boom, there you go. Brilliant. Anyway, that's my idea. If you work in finance or coding or want to build it, go right ahead. Just count me in. Sling me, I don't know, 2.5% and make me a advisor. That's it. <laughs> that's all I ask. Maybe less, less percent if you want. I know one person who works in finance in Australia, and he's already up to his ears in philanthropy. But uh, yeah, so if you know who's someone who can build that, please go right ahead. Have my blessing. Just let me know if you do. Thanks heaps to everybody that left a lovely, delicious review on iTunes that helps me here at the show enormously. It helps me make better shows for you by making sure that the guests that I continue to get are as excellent as I have been in the past. And usually when people are sending guests our way or looking at, at places where they can pitch their guests for podcasts, they look at those charts. And those charts are really important. So the number one thing you can do for this show is tell someone that you know about this podcast, particularly if that person's in another country, because it's always fun to kind of get a bit of global reach on this show but also to leave a rating and a review in the iTunes systems there. This one came from Dr. B. Who knew that the handsome man who hands out the roses could deliver such thought-provoking, sometimes horrifying, yet always with a glimmer of hope, inspiring interviews with humans from all aspects of this colorful world in which we live? There's something incredibly wrong about that. I never hand out the roses. I just count them. I've enjoyed and gained knowledge with every interview and every check-in and truly value the raw honesty in which Osha talks about his own mental anguish and how he deals with this on a daily basis. I feel like listening to these podcasts can only help make me a kinder human to the world, to my fellow world inhabitants. Today really is better than yesterday. Thank you. Well, that's very sweet. That's a delicious review. Thank you so very much. And um, I'm glad you weren't there in Bunnings when I accidentally started a fight by saying something shitty at the end of a sentence that then triggered everything off. Because you probably wouldn't think that about me then. But look, I'm human. You're human. We're human. I'm in the process of making up, making amends, trying to get there. Thanks heaps for the emails that you sent my way. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Matthew, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Matthew was on his, on his way to a wedding in Phuket. Um, they made it in the end, which is lovely. Uh, but Matthew was talking about, he's originally from um, the UK and he was talking about one of the other ideas I was talking about. And he reckons that in the construction industry here in Australia, like in the UK, when he was working there 15 years ago, those big skip bins out the front of building sites, there's th three big skip bins. There's one for timber, one for four, one for timber, one for plasterboard, one for metal, and one for general waste. And the plasterboard's sent back to the manufacturer to get recycled. The timber's recycled. Everything's reclaimed and recycled. But here in Australia, everything goes to landfill. He said that was happening 15 years ago in the UK, and they weren't even a market leader at the time. And But here on sites that he's on, everything just goes to landfill, which seems bonkers to me when you can see the size and the construction, you know, the, the just massive semi-trailers of junk leaving big building sites, particularly, you know, big ones in the city or big housing developments. That seems just what a waste of money. Every square metre of gyprock that goes into the, the landfill is, is cash, right? Anyway, thanks, Matt. And Marina, congratulations, you got married. Good on you. Great photo. I love a photo of what you're looking at when you're listening. And this is a two-parter, a diptych, if you will. That's two pictures that make one, you know, telling a story with two pictures in two separate frames. Rebecca's just found the podcast, been listening every morning. But my favorite times to listen are when I'm walking with my dog and having a lazy breakfast on the weekend. And there's two pictures. One, uh, there's her and the dog. And there's <laughs> the dog is trying real hard 
together the avocado and tomato on what looks like a delicious black seedy bread. Um, man, I had a lab like that that would... And the second photo was the, the dog's head in a lap like, come on, I'm just being cute. Don't you want to give me some of that avo? John wrote in, big fan of the show. At the start of the year, I wanted to read 12 books in 12 months in 2019. Taking on this challenge is one of the best things I've ever done. I learned so much. I'm sharing this with you because back after the break was the first book I read last year and it gave me the momentum to continue my love for reading. Big thank you for all your hard work and openness to mental health. Always feel better than yesterday listening to the podcast. Thanks heaps, John. Uh, you want some book suggestions, John? He went out and read Coddling of the American Mind after Jonathan Haidt's episode. Uh, maybe you want to get super attractive. What am I reading at the moment? Oh, what did I just finish? Um, hang on. Let me look. It's a problem when you – I read on an ebook now, John, so I read on a Kindle, so I don't have the cover to look at all the time, and so I, I kind of get distracted and can't recall what I ate. Oh, Stephen Johnson, How He Got to Now is a very, very, very good one. I would also really recommend – Oh, yeah, Hans Rosling's Factfulness. Hans Rosling's Factfulness was, I think I listened to it three times. And uh, Ryan Holiday, Stillness is the Key. Get into those. Bloody good stuff. Bloody, bloody good stuff. And this one from Eilish. Eilish? A-I-L-I-S-H, Eilish. Long-time listener. I think I listened to one of your first ever podcasts on SoundCloud. God, I think I only put about two there. So good on you for finding it. Just wanted to thank you for your courageous and considered way that you discuss climate change and the bushfires and for using your platform to encourage social action. I've always been concerned about climate change. I've taken lots of steps to lower my carbon footprint. However, the fires pushed me to speak out and push back on the system that puts profit before people. Keep fighting the fight for justice. Keep being your awesome self. Uh, thank you very much, Ailish. Um, yeah, it's it's something you really can't ignore, and more and more people will not be able to ignore it as we as we go on. And I was thinking a bit about this through the week, uh, particularly after. And it's no secret what we saw when those massive bushfires. This is January twenty twenty, by the way. If you're listening to this in five years, you know what happens this week. You know what happened last week, last year. You'll know what happened this summer. You know what we did next. We don't know yet. We hope it's something you're proud of. And uh, you will have no doubt seen, and it would have been historic, what our uh, Prime Minister did when uh, the country was on fire, the east coast of the country was on fire, and hundreds of thousands of animals, millions of animals were passing away, were dying, were being destroyed, the habitats utterly destroyed. The, in one article I read that the landscape being homogenised, just wiped clean, and our Prime Minister's sitting on a beach. And, and then, you know, we saw what our Prime Minister tried to do when, uh, when he came back. People are dying. People are dying and, you know, it's horrible, 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 horrible. And it got me thinking that, you know, maybe the kind of person you need to be and the set of skills you need to have in order to become the leader of a major political party in our country, be it Liberal, Labor, Greens, Nationals, whatever, someone who, you know, plays that political game from the young liberals or young nationals or young labor or whatever it is when you play that game and the you know the, the horse trading and the the bargaining and the doing deals and that kind of stuff like that personality type and that kind of person to win favor of that incredibly small group of people you know there's only a couple of hundred if that in the political system at the top end that you need to get on side if you want to have a leadership spill there's a very very small amount of people maybe the skills that make you win that game and win it well aren't the same skills that you need to lead your country through 
a massive crisis. Now, those skills might serve you well when things are cool and things are fine and the economy is good, but when the country's on fire and entire towns' economies are collapsing because no one's there on holidays and we're seeing fires and things that we've never seen before and people are dying trying to fight the fires and we're calling the army in and you're going on the telly and people are still panicking and freaking out because no one's got the true leadership balls to stand there on the telly and say, this is what's going to happen next. And this is every maybe that's not the same person. So either we get two people or we change how we look for our leaders and we change how we govern our country because it seems we've set ourselves up to only have people in that top spot that are very, very good at getting and keeping that top spot in that kind of doggy dog internal politics, party politics, party room shit and not someone who can actually communicate well to millions and millions of people of all different backgrounds and nationalities and um, calm the waters and let them know it's going to be all right and here's what we're doing next. I can't remember a time in our nation when that's happened before. We've seen other leaders do it. We saw Jacinda Ardern do it a year ago, horribly, that she had to do it. She had to do it, but she did it. Yeah. I don't think it's the same person. Anyway, I'd love to know your thoughts. Send us your email at gmail.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. I was also thinking about, you know, this this summer, it's a time when you're always seeing family and you're seeing climate deniers. And, you know, I've got me thinking about why would someone deny climate change or deny the science behind it and just, you know, the level of narcissism that it would take to be so sure that you who, like, well, you know, in my case, me, who got a C in year 10 science and then that was the last science subject I took. I took biology, but I didn't do very well in it. You know, someone who's got probably mainly basic year 10 science to then turn around and go, actually, I know more than a professor of climatology who's written PhDs and peer-reviewed papers on this. And I'm going to be thinking about that and that what we're looking at, you know, with sea levels rising and, and temperatures soaring, you know, just 
more and more. I mean, just the other day, I'm doing a voiceover for Bondi Rescue, right? And I was saying to my producer, the last three years, I've opened the episode one by saying it's the hottest summer on record. I've said that the last three years on Bondi Rescue as the narrator of that show. We were talking about that like, dude, man, seriously. <laughs> Come on. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And what are some actions to fear? Uh, fight, flight, freeze. So you may want to flight being fear. You may want to run from it. You want to try and escape it. You may want to freeze, um, you know, just kind of be so stunned in terror that you can't leave the house. And I know all about that. Or you may want to fight it. You may want to be like, no, that's not happening. I, no, it can't be. And, you know, being in that state of denial. And all of those things can get very, very angry as well. And they can get very rigid in their thinking. But there's no solution that we are going to come up with that doesn't serve everybody. That's a bit confused what I'm trying to say there. It's like what, what drives people to denial? Fear drives people towards denial because it's so overwhelmingly terrifying that you'd rather just choose to not believe it. It's like still buying cigarettes, even though there's a picture on it that will show me your lungs are going to fall out through your ears if you, if you keep doing it. Ah, that won't happen to me. You know, smoking on pregnant harms your baby. I'm a man. I won't have a baby. Give me those packs of cigarettes. Give me them. You know, maybe that's it. Anyway, I think the biggest problem with that kind of denial thinking is that once you pass a certain point, it's very, very hard to come back. And we've all got people in our lives like that. Somebody I work with like that. Because if I were there to challenge the beliefs that you have so, you know, stringently put down and shared memes about and joked about and told the one about Greta Thunberg and whatever those jokes you've been saying to your friends at work, the moment I challenge your beliefs with facts, your brain goes, ah, they, those people in my Facebook group told me about greenies like you. And their mind will shut quicker than a coal mine in 2025. And that's a shame because if you find yourself there, it's really scary to consider that you might not be right and that you might have to concede that maybe you made a mistake. Anyway, I've got to have some compassion for people who are in that situation because the world's just going to get even scarier for them. So Gabby Bernstein's on the show today. She's great. Gabby Bernstein's an author, motivational speaker, and life coach, I guess, coach, from New York. New York. She's written six New York Times best-selling books. Her seventh book is called Super Attractor. It's out now. I first met Gabby about nine years ago, I think. We were both part of the Summit Conference scene in Los Angeles, Utah. I think we met on a boat at some point. I kept an eye on what she's been doing. She's a very impressive person. She and I share a journey of sobriety. However, what Gabby's done with where her direction has taken her, it's just astonishing, right? She's found a way to empower people and, and share lessons and knowledge about bringing things into your life that you'd rather have in your life, into your life. She's, she's very good at that, about get, getting you on track, about bringing positive things into your life that you desire. We've talked about manifesting on this show before. Tanya Hennessy famously talked about it a lot. And Gabby's a weapons-grade manifesting machine. The New York Times have called her a guru for the next generation. She may be that, but she's also someone who has a lot to say and a lot of really practical stuff to help you get where you want to be. She's actually in Australia right now. She's on holidays with her family and then she's doing a seminar in Sydney, if you can get along. It's in Darling Harbour on the 2nd of February. It's this weekend. And you can get more intel at gabbybernstein.com, G-A-B-B-Y-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. I can't wait for you to hear this. Just let her know that you heard her if you like what you heard. Enjoyed this conversation over Skype. I believe she was, I can't remember where she was in her house, but it was. It looked very cosy and very booth-like. I had this conversation a couple of weeks back I mean, there's still fires today, but there was a lot of fires that day. And so we talked a bit about fires that day. 
This is a conversation with Gabby Bernstein. Hey, Gabby. <laughs> hey. It's so good to see you again. It's so nice to see you. How's it going? It's actually pretty good. I was trying to remember the last time that I spoke to you, and I'm pretty sure it was on a boat in the Caribbean. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was, was a long ass time ago, wasn't that a long, long time ago? Uh, yeah, it was uh, one marriage, one child, and one name change ago for me. There you go, child. <laughs> and me too. Child, marriage, and well, I didn't change my name. All right, I did, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see you. It's, it's, not, it's nice to see you too. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're on the way to Australia. I'm sure yes. many, many people in, in Australia, I mean, I'll talk about it more in a moment, but I don't know how up to date you are with the current events. Very up to date with it. It's horrible. <sighs> Where are you? We're in Sydney, so... I'm coming to Sydney. Did you, you know are, that? That's where I'm going to be for two weeks. We should get together. You, you, should, you should come around. You should meet the kids. Yeah. You should... Yeah, my son will be with us too, my one-year-old. So. Glorious. Yeah. Wolfie's, yeah. Wolfie's just gone four months, four and a half months. Oh, my goodness. I definitely want to come around <laughs> yeah. for that. Oh, there's, there's baby cuddles. And you also you could also meet G. G's like she's nearly 16. Oh, she'll be just about turning 16 when you get here. She's awesome. Oh, cool. We, we're okay. The, the fires came through on the outskirts of Sydney in the last few weeks. It's pretty full on, Gabby. We live 50 miles from the fire front. And we've got, we had ash falling in our backyard. Oh, what's the plan? Like, what are they going to, is there a plan? Well, the thing is, Gabby, and this is a really tough thing. And, and you know, I'm, I mean, we're getting kind of right into it straight off the bat because someone like you who has just such a wealth of experience and knowledge and such a tool set around dealing with adverse situations, crikey, as a, as a nation, we really need someone like you because it's just overwhelming. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't question the timing of where I am sent. Yeah. And my intention to come to Sydney is to bring a deeper connection to our faith because when things are happening that are out of our control, we need our spiritual faith most when we feel particularly compromised and we don't we don't have any control so that's my intention for the day i spend with you guys in, in australia and i hope that i can serve in that way i'm coming as a visitor as well for two weeks and so i'm, I'm sad to see what's happening i'm deeply sad i i, I keep reading about the animals and the displaced people and it's this is serious and I, I unfortunately think that there's going to only be more of this which is really quite quite not just in Australia throughout the world and there is continuing to be so I think at this time we're going we're to need to rely on our spiritual faith more than we ever did before so let's just get some some context here to what, what we're going to talk about today because I know for a fact because I used to be one person who if I heard the word 
spiritual faith or if I heard spirituality, I would be, take your rose quartz, take your patchouli, get out of my face. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. Right. The secret told me all I had to do was think about something and it might get a new bike. It was bullshit. Get out of my way. Uh-huh. So I've heard it described to me as someone in, in recovery um, nearly 10 years now. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard mm-hmm. it described to me of religion is for people who believe in hell, spirituality is for people who've been there. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would consider myself connected to, uh, you know, there is a spirituality in my, in my life. When, when you yeah. talk about spirituality or spiritual power, what are you, what are you referring to? Well, I come from the same background as you. Um, I've been in recovery for 14 years. And that was probably when I got into the recovery rooms, I was reignited with a spiritual faith. And the greatest gift of all was the language that I've continued to use in my my work, which is the language of a spiritual relationship of your own understanding. That language I have repeated countlessly as my mission. My mission is to help help people who may not have the privilege of finding their way into a recovery room. And I say that with all, honestly, with all truth, because it is a privilege to end up in a room where people want to help you for free and they just want to help you save your life. <laughs> yeah, I can't, you know, I can't it's agree pretty with you more. unfathomable that that is, uh, yeah. it's probably the most miraculous community event that has ever occurred in the world, in my opinion. I would agree with you. And, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of a couple of books ago, I know I know someone that I'm I'm sure you're familiar with, a, a bloke by the name of Russell Brand spoke about the mm-hmm. idea of taking these the self-governing ways of those communities as a way to perhaps try and figure our way out of the issues that we're into at the moment with uh, right. <laughs> modern democracy. Right. But that's another conversation. Um so right. to, so to talk about higher powers to talk about spiritual powers because I, I do know and I, as well and I'm, I'm sure you know people as well people who've you know they see that you're not drinking or using and they they come to you for help and, and then you show up to one of those rooms and then they hear the word god and then they go i'm the fuck out of here um yeah you know? <laughs> yeah i think that the word god is loaded but i think that one i will say that i've been able to push the spiritual envelope with my work in the last one and a half years yeah. particularly with this latest book i came out with super attractor mm. This book, I really pushed the spiritual envelope, talking about angels and guides and and deceased family members working with us, because this is what I believe to be true. But the thing that I continuously do throughout the book, and I put it up front really loud and clear, if this isn't for you, keep reading and find what is for you. Yeah. And then the whole intention of that part of the book is to really just commit to helping people establish what that spiritual connection means to them. And frankly, I don't think anyone would be listening to us right now if they didn't have a, as they say in the 12 steps, mustard seed of hope, right? <laughs> and a the slightest willingness to see beyond their physical sight, because you wouldn't be guided here. You wouldn't have listened past the first three words I said, if this wasn't for you. Yeah. So I think we can go there today. I think we can say whatever words we want to say with the intention of people opening up to the language and the lexicon that's their spiritual lexicon, that's theirs, that's their own. There's, because there's definitely, in, the, in a, we're recording this this morning on a, a Saturday in Australia, there's just been humongous and horrendous and, uh, you know, it's a word that we will unfortunately hear much more of in the coming decades, unprecedented weather. You know, there's entire towns of people stranded on peninsulas that the Australian Navy is being sent in to evacuate thousands of people who are stuck on a beach with no food or water and they're surrounded oh. surrounded by fire. Oh. It's so, so scary. And it's even more scary to think about, well, this is weather now. 
this is that's where right. this is where we are. This is where that's it's right. going. This is the start of it. That's right. And that's, that's so right. freaking overwhelming, Gabby. When you look at the title of your new book, you know, Super Attractor, how to manifest, you know, things in your life, you know. I've been talking a bit about this and, and a response is like, yeah, that's all well and good, but you're not sitting on a beach with a hungry baby with a full nappy and nowhere to get a new oh nappy and no food. Oh like in those in those points of crisis, which our, many people in our country are facing today as we speak, you know, how what, what kind of tools can you bring to those kind of situations of extraordinary crisis? Yeah. Uh, well, part of me has an answer and part of me doesn't. Mm. So the answer I have is the answer of a spiritual teacher and the part of me that doesn't have the answer is the part is the part of me that's a new mother mm-hmm. you, you know the difference you know what mm. i mean oh yeah yeah because i can sit here 10 days 12 days away from coming to sydney to you know witnessing it firsthand to be of course it's not going to be my experience because i don't live there but to be able to be there and witness it firsthand and i can say that i come with the belief in the faith that the power of prayer, that the power of positive thinking, that the power of intention does have the capacity to shift the energetic vibration in the world. And as a result, help us find solutions beyond our imagination, find solutions that are creative solutions rather than fear-based solutions, help us uh, you know, open invisible doors. I've said that for 15 years in my career. I believe that to be true. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've in many of my own personal experiences been to hell and back, but I haven't sat on a beach with my child in a full diaper and no food to feed him. So I can say this with authority, but also with a weary voice, if that makes sense. Mm. Because I think that no matter how strong our faith is, we're still faced at this time with very horrific things that we have to be real about. But this is, like I said, I think when when things fall apart is when we need our faith most. So for me, in my prayers today, in my prayers for the past several days, actually, as I see these posts and these images of the animals and all of the horrific things that I'm witnessing, in my prayers, I envision rain. In my prayers, I envision people rising up to support each other in ways that they never could have before. I see animals finding safety. So I'm visualizing. I'm setting intention. I'm grounding myself in my mission and my work, which is to come and bring a collective energetic shift. So my hope and prayer is that my time in Sydney will elevate 2,000 people, which I believe will have a ripple effect. That's my intention. To really ground us in a sense of intuitive guidance. Because I think that when things are really, really, really tough, the more people that are in chaos, the more chaos occurs. Mm. So if we can ground people, teach people tools for regulating, help them stay in in a uh, centered state in the midst of this, then energetically more solutions will be found. People will be able to be conscious of the experience and not get so traumatized that they live with it forever. And more solutions are available to us when we are those of us who are in Sydney or in safe places, not those of us. And obviously I'm not going to anyway, take away the trauma that you're experiencing or the yeah. people that are in Sydney are experiencing, but that, that it is the people that are on land that is not burning that need to dive in most to mm. that place of intuition and that place of faith, because it's those of you that are going to rise up to support and, and heal those who are going to need you most. That's where I'm at with that. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You talk about not operating from a place of fear. When we're trying to find solutions in a place of fear, whether it be something as horribly traumatic as this this effect of climate change that's happening to our country right now, or a breakup, or a sick child, or, uh, you know, an accident at work. When we're operating from a place of fear and we're trying to find solutions from a place of fear, what, what happens, Gabby? Well, listen, you know, I say in my book, the key to feeling good is to decide to stop feeling bad. Now, anyone in Australia might not right now suffering would say to me, you know, screw you. How dare you say <laughs> yeah, that, right? Yeah. Or anyone suffering from poverty or being in the midst of abuse, they could say, screw you. Yeah. And I mean that. And I would have preferred to have said a bad word, but I didn't because I'm my child, my child's learning to speak, so I have to be careful with that. Yeah. That's right. I Brad, think Brad, I've already dropped an F bomb down here today. So don't worry, I think people are okay. Practicing, <laughs> practicing, practicing. But what I can say is that I had to live this about seven months ago when I was suicidal, suffering from postpartum depression, insomnia, and anxiety, having panic attacks, couldn't sleep for two months because of the insomnia. And when you have insomnia for two months, you want to kill yourself. So I was suicidal at the bottom of it. And even in those moments of being suicidal, I still decided to feel good. Now, that may be really confusing to somebody. How can you decide to feel good when you want to kill yourself? Well, my decision to feel good would be to say to myself, I'm open to God's guidance. My decision to feel good would be, okay, maybe I do need to be medicated. My decision to feel good would be, okay, I'm going to be allowing myself to be led. So even when we don't have the solution in front of us, we can rely on a higher power as our way of deciding to feel good, deciding to feel better. When we don't make that decision, we make the decision to commit suicide. We make the decision to give up. We make the decision to give up faith. When you talk about, and I and I keep bringing you back to it because I know you've, you've communicated this message to many, many, many people over your career. When you drop the word God into any sentence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're going to more and more... It might have been back in the day, it might have been 30, 70, but now it might be 80, 20. 80% of people would be like, get out of here. God, higher power, guidance outside of yourself. How do you communicate those concepts to someone who's straight up like, nah, I'm not down for any of that? Yeah. No, I've written seven books that communicate the spiritual language in a different way. And I've been expanding the spiritual lexicon throughout my career because I never wanted the semantics to get in the way. Uh I always wanted people to be able to meet what 
God meant to them by not saying God to them. Now, at this stage in my career, I'm sort of unapologetic about what is truthful to me. I use my own words, but I don't expect people to go there if that's not their words. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. I'm, but I'm like gonna, I said, yeah. honestly, I don't think anyone be, would be listening right now if yeah. they didn't have some desire to have a faith yeah. of their own. No, no, I get, I get it. But often, what happens yeah. is, you know, I'll do an episode about how to talk to your family around. I did an episode about how to talk to your family about climate change around Christmas, and I know it was shared mm. around. You know, I know it was shared around people who otherwise wouldn't have listened. Well, mm. oh, fuck it, I'll listen. All right, let me hear you, bloody greenie, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. so it's like having that conversation. I, I certainly know that you know um, in. You know, I don't, I'd have told this story before, but I think my, my favorite story about redefining God um, when it comes to getting the most out of being quick to see where religious people are right was the story of a, a farmer who was in recovery who needed a higher power and he prayed to his tractor because mm-hmm. without his tractor, he couldn't feed his family. Uh, mm-hmm. Without his tractor, he couldn't look after his farm. If he didn't take care of his tractor and respect his tractor, mm-hmm. everything and he knew in his life was over. So mm. he, when he asked for guidance, whatever, he would ask his tractor. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's that, you know, that's what it is. It, it's more when you, when you talk about looking for guidance, you're uh, essentially what you're asking is you're asking for, you know, whatever the subconscious information that's been drawn into your body through your life, the answers are in there somewhere. But if we're asking for guidance outside of our immediate thinking, which is so often reactive, mm-hmm. that's where the answers will come because we already know everything we need to know about the situation. But if we're stuck, in, right. our, if we're, right. if we're stuck in our reactive thinking, we won't be able to access that. Oh, that's right. I saw that thing that one time. Ah, That's exactly what I'm talking about, which is that, you know, you could sit there and right now in the, in the horror of what you're experiencing and you could let the fear take over, or you can go deeper into your practice of meditation and prayer and conscious contact, as I would imagine you would call it, and go into that connection. When you do that work of really going in and listening and praying, that's when you can actually hear the intuitive voice that says, okay, actually go volunteer here today, Mm. right? Or make that call to your friend who knows where you can send the right amount of money or whatever it may be that you otherwise would have not heard because you would have been so caught up in the fear. And the fear is the block to that intuitive voice. So the the work that we have to do spiritually is to tune in, tune in, tune in. In Supertractor, I call it get aligned, get aligned, get aligned. And in that alignment, that's when we can hear the good orderly direction. That's when we can hear the voice of our intuition intuition come forth and tell us what to do in times of crisis and also not times of crisis, what to do when we just need to decide what Mm. to eat for lunch. (laughs) But we can, we can call on, here's the thing. I don't care what you call it. I just care that you call upon it. When you went through what you went through after the birth of your son, when you were quite ill, um, that's clearly a traumatic experience. People are having traumatic experiences, not only those who are at the fire front who've lost their homes, everything they've ever known has burned to the ground. Also people just watching, you know, suddenly people are realizing, oh shit, we can't fight this fire because we haven't needed to develop technology to develop a fire, to fight a fire this big, because there's never been a fire this big, because there's never been weather like this. This is what weather is now. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, it's terrifying. So in the, in the face of healing from that shock, what can you tell people about trying to absorb what's happened to you and then trying not to let that trauma in the past turn on let the trauma dictate the decisions that you make today? So you said the T word. So let's go there. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The T word is very, very triggering for people. But I think that anyone that's in Australia right now can absolutely identify with trauma. And to your point, people just watching the Im- seeing the imagery is enough, right? So yeah. all the imagery that's happening online and all of the stories that we're hearing and experiencing of ch- children being caged and fires burning, burning homes down and violence, it's never ending. We are living in a time where self-regulating, tools for self-regulation, tools for, for coming back, for calming our nervous system, for lowering our cortisol levels, for returning to a sense of center and peace and inspiration and intuition are mandatory. I don't think we will survive these times without those tools. So we just flat out won't. So listen, it's time. I'm feeling a really loud call to go to the places that people have been unwilling to go to because when things are taken from us, that's when people become willing to look at the darkness, right? Because it's it's in that willingness to look at the discomfort that we come through the other side. So finding those tools for self-regulation, let's begin with a few, okay? Right now you are, let's say you're sitting in Sydney and you're smelling the smoke and you're traumatized by what's going on and you're so upset about the animals and friends that you may know that are displaced and what's going on. What you can do in the moment to regulate is to simply tap. There's emotional freedom technique is a, is a tool that I teach and you can tap on a specific point. What emotional freedom technique is, it's a psychological and, and spiritual technique in many ways where you, or it's like acupressure and talk therapy in one. And you're tapping on a specific energy meridian that can help you calm the amygdala to release the traumatic state that you are in. I tapped with someone this morning who's dealing with a a car crash that she had to deal with and she went from a 10 to a five in three minutes. So you would identify, I'm at a 10 with my trauma right now. And and just for the sake of giving somebody a practice they can do right now for themselves is tap on the karate chop point where your hand is that little, that meaty point of the side of the hand. And then you can simply say to yourself, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. If you're really in a holy shit moment, you can tap what is called the gamut point, which is the point between your pinky finger and your ring finger. And it's like the skin between your pinky finger and your ring finger. Yeah, you got it. And you tap there. That's the gamut point. That's the holy shit point. And that's when we just continue to say, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. And just repeat that over and over to yourself. I am safe. And that in itself can give you a moment of regular, do that for a minute and breathe and continue. I am safe and breathe and say, I'm safe. And just throughout the day, come back to that because it's got to be, we need to regulate all day long. Come back to that, come back to that, come back to that, come back to that. If you have a meditation practice, come back to that. A breath practice that you could do is breathe in for five seconds, hold your breath for five seconds, release your breath for five seconds, in for five hold for five, out for five. These are just two practices that I can give someone now to really regulate, to come back to that center. The idea that an entire community, an entire society needs to relearn. I'm sure we always knew how to self-regulate as human beings, all right? And something along the way, we got distracted. Oh, look at this. It's books. Oh, look at this. It's radio. Oh, look at this. It's television. Oh, look at shit. It's just like a poker machine in my pocket of dopamine and serotonin in my phone. I can't look away from it. Like our ability ability to self-regulate 
as an intuitive, as a natural thing, we seem to have lost touch with. We weren't taught to. We were taught the opposite. So to your point, yes, like you and I are watching, and you're watching a newborn infant and I'm watching a one-year-old mm. grow into humanness. And, you know, my one-year-old, he falls and he cries and he moves it through and moves on. But that's because I'm holding the space for him to experience the feeling of the crying and mm. the release of the emotion. But many children have been picked up, told, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, handed something else and forced to move on to the next emotion without fully processing that traumatic moment of hitting their head fully through their body. So, you know, from four months old, or let's call it, you know, maybe when you start crawling and walking, six, seven, eight, nine months old, you've begun the journey of being told, no, you're not allowed to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, no, this isn't to shame parents that have been doing this. It's just to say this is something we can adjust. Yeah. It was just, you know, probably the worst thing you can say to a kid is, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. It's way more valuable to say, I see you, I understand you, I hear you. You could say, you're safe now, but you don't want to, them to push past where the, the experience is. So from that, the early days, we've been taught don't feel. We've been taught move past it. We've been taught to, to ignore it. We've been taught to, to grab the toy, to feel better now. What is that toy for you and I? It became drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah, you better believe Just it. Just grab that toy and you'd feel better now. Just avoidance, 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 yeah. Avoidance. And, and we are not taught to process our feelings and to move our emotions through this. So instead, we have traumatic events. You cannot save someone from having a traumatic event, but you can save them from reliving it for the rest of their life. If you educate yourself on tools for regulation, I'm going to write a whole, I'm writing a whole book about it. I'm deeply in, in query about this right now. And I've got a proposal sitting on my, my desktop because this is what we need now. I can't agree with you more, Gary, the idea of uh, particularly like we live in a time where a news cycle is seconds long, you know, mm -hmm. it, it used to be a 24 hour news cycle, whereas like, mm -hmm. what are we going to make on the front page tomorrow of the newspaper? All right. And now right. it's like, okay, that tweet was eight minutes old, what right. new is happening, all right? right you, right. this leader of this country, this leader of this city, this leader of this company, you better say something exciting, otherwise I'm going to look away. And, right. you know, we just put so much pressure on those people that we've put in trust in power to be reactive, to not be thoughtful. And mm -hmm. it, w wouldn't it be interesting if these are a set of skills that you had to learn when you're on your way into public office? <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, think about it. I think that any human with these set of skills would be a different human because here's the deal. Everyone's reacting, right? Everyone's yeah. out there reacting, but they're all, you know, in my political system right now, people are just the whole crew out there. They're all reacting from their own ego. Okay. I'm not going to get pick sides here on this conversation, but let's just get to the point. The leaders are, pick, are, are living from a place of ego, making decisions that affect the world from a place of ego, not from a place of love and not from a place of confidence, not from mm. a place of resilience, not from a place of self-regulation, but a place of their own triggers and their own wounds. And when you have leaders leading from their wounds, look, you're, we're screwed, right? Yeah. So we have to, as the individual, begin to be the leader in our own world. So the way that we do that is we learn the tools for regulation. We begin to reparent ourselves through these practices. We begin to develop a spiritual condition. We have to learn methods for regulating our energy so that we can survive, but not only survive but lead because this is a time of the we this is not this is not a time of the i 
This is the time of the we, the collective, that the group collective energy is what's going to change and shift. Again, look, that's why my intention, listen, I feel, you know, there's been many instances in my career where I've been guided places during times of tragedy. I just was guided to Houston right after one of their deadliest floods, like days after once the rain stopped, I've landed there guided to a talk days after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings here in the U.S. So, you know, guided to Los Angeles last month, right after the fires began to subside at the time. So it's something is happening in the world where we are definitely, there's no coincidence that we're all being asked to rise up. We're all being asked to get into our highest selves so that we can bring our best energy to the worst of times. We've been told our whole lives that it's all about me, that it's all about how much can I get. Just look at, we just had Christmas here in Australia, you know, just look at any kid at Christmas time. It's like your value is on how much shit is, you got your name on and under that tree, you know. (laughs) Our whole Mm -hmm. lives have been at how much can I get for me versus Mm -hmm. what can I give to others because we kind of don't really let people know, ah, you want the best present ever? The best present is when you give to somebody else. But we don't have that kind of in our individualist society, such as, uh, you know, in, in the US or here in Australia, a society like perhaps like Japan or in the southern parts of China, where it's definitely a collectivist society, is very, very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. If we don't get over into, you know, not I'm not communist. I'm not going to say that because, that, you know, it's got a bad word when you say the word collective. But, you know, if we're not more community minded, let's say that, if we're not taking actions for the community, I think we are in a lot of a lot of trouble. But there's also a great amount of personal, individual joy for taking actions for the community, isn't there, Gabby? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the tools I would recommend to people, there's a quote that I often share is, you know, if you're feeling helpless, help someone. This is something that we want to really recognize in our own personal lives. And it's also a 12-step method too. You know, it's like, you're feeling helpless, call your sponsor, call, you know, call your sponsee, see how you can help them, Right. So be of service. Being of service gets you out of your own way. Being of service, you know, one of the things that I've been um, listening to a lot of Peter Levine's work, and I think it was, no, it was Gabor Mate I was listening to an interview. And he was talking about during the floods in New Orleans, what was happening was all of the people in the community were rising up to go and help and serve and do things. And their adrenaline is rushing in through their body and they just need to serve and need to move. And that's how they were releasing trauma. And then FEMA shows up and they're all shut down and said, no, stop doing everything. We've got this under control. You just have to sit there. And the second that they started to sit there, that's when they became frozen. That's when the trauma sets get stuck in their being. So my message to everybody in Australia is get to work, do something. And I don't know that you can do anything necessarily for, uh, obviously with regard to fire, but you can absolutely do something in the way of fundraising or in the way of, because they're going to need money, right? Or in the way of just get into action, be in that community action in some form. And that will help you greatly, greatly help you through these times. When you look at your child, in your arms as, you know, they're putting them off to a nap in the afternoon and then you get them to sleep and then you pick up your phone and your phone just screams that the world is ending, the sky is falling. How can we have hope? Can we talk a bit about hope and why hope is an important thing, even when the messaging is like, it's all over, give up, just sit there, just keep playing that stupid game on your phone and, you know, just hope that it doesn't hurt too much. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I have a spiritual faith that, we come here to unlearn fear and remember love. 
I have to live by that faith that that the fears that we've experienced in this lifetime have been a spiritual teaching. Now, now that we're in a situation where the fear is rising, we have to learn at a faster speed, frankly. Mm. We have to really go to a graduate degree overnight, okay? Yeah. So my way of having hope is revving up my foundation, revving up my mission, my mission to be of service. And that doesn't just go for me, someone who's a motivational speaker and author and public figure in my way. It's for every one of us to live in mission, live in contribution, live in service, live in in a loud way, right? To create policy change in whatever form that we can get behind, to vote. But when it comes to hope, we have to just rely on a power greater than ourselves, frankly. Because when it's when there's things in the world that are out of our control, it's not in our will that our safety lies. Our safety lies in our willingness to surrender. The the work here is to rely on the powers that we believe beyond our physical sight. Now, people listening may think, okay, well, I don't have a relationship to God or spirit or a higher power. Well, my answer is you're still listening. <laughs> so go pick up a spiritual book. I don't care which one, whatever you've been guided to and and, and read it and get going. Because ultimately when we, I feel, when we make decisions out of fear, then they're not our choices. Mm-hmm. We're being We're being manipulated by fear. Yeah. I mean, listen, the other thing that we have responsibility to do is also have joy because what those of us in the position of privilege or in the position of, of a safer environment or whatever it may be, we have to allow ourselves to thrive in those times because of the energy of joy, we have creative ideas and the energy of joy, we are inspired and the energy of joy, we can earn more to give more and the energy of joy, we can have the power to manifest and, and and support the world in a bigger way. So I think that even in the times of crisis, don't be afraid to live in the moments of joy because those moments of joy are guiding you energetically to bring greater service to the world. That's something that may be complicated for people. When I come to Australia and give my talk, my encouragement is going to be to lean into joy. And many people might resist that because they often believe, well, in, it's, there's crisis everywhere else. How dare I feel good? Well, my response is, how dare you not? Because it's you that in that energy of feeling good, bring more good to the world. Gabrielle, and I appreciate very much that you spent time with us on the on the the internet tonight <laughs> it's late there in <laughs> connecticut i uh, it'll be great to have you in australia serendipitous timing or not mm-hmm. depending on which you know which side of the fence mm-hmm. you lay on <laughs> it mm-hmm. may all, all be- no you know it's funny it's like uh i feel i'm being sent there like uh, i'm going with some friends that are the first two weeks i'm there i'm i'm on vacation and then i work at the end and i hear the people around me saying you know oh, are you sure you can go? Are you scared? And there's this voice in me, this, obviously like millions of people are living there and, and completely fine and safe. And I want to really reiterate that, right? Yeah. But there's this voice that I've always been living with, which is this Joan of Arc quote, I am not afraid I was born to do this. And so I'm feeling called to go into the rooms and go into the places that that need the support most and need a reorganization and need support with the trauma. Because it's like right now, Sydney is actually a, a, a trauma zone. <laughs> That needs that needs a real big healing. Gabrielle, it'll be great to have you down in Australia uh, with the family. Thank you so much for uh, making time. I'm sure people will be very thrilled to get in a room with you and uh, get involved in that workshop. 
Thanks heaps for Thank your time. You. Thank great, you. great to Thank see you. you. I hope you can come and uh, hang out when you get here. Yes, I will. That was Gabby Bernstein. You can find her. She's great, right? She's fantastic. She's got seven books out. The latest one's called Super Attractor, and she is in Sydney on the 2nd of February in Darling Harbour. You can get more details at gabbybernstein.com, G-A-B-B-Y-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much to my audio producer, Andy Ma, for making this show, cutting it up. Thank you for Rachel Barrett, who made me and a New York Times bestselling author manage to be in the same place at the same time. Amazing, Rachel. You're the best. Mike Mills for making all the music. And even though I recorded this one over Skype, the Batuta Advocate for their unwavering support of this podcast. Without them, you wouldn't have heard any interviews since Wolfie's been born because that is where I've been doing every single interview at the Batuta Advocate Studios there in Sydney. And um, without them, there is no show. And um, they're amazing guys. They just want, they just like having different people around. So I'm very lucky to go and see Errol and Clancy every week uh, when I record a show. Thank you so much for listening. If you need anything, send us your email at gmail.com. I'll talk to you on Friday until we speak next. Actually, I'll talk to you on Wednesday for Dad Pod and then Friday right here until we speak next time. Sleep well. Look after yourself. Dream of beautiful things. 